and welcome to Educators to Educators. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 27, Student Engagement with Flexible Seating. Today, I have a very special guest, Beth Pittman from Flexible and First, and she's going to talk about how she keeps her students on track in their learning while using flexible seating. I have to start by apologizing to all of you. I've been a little MIA, but there's a good reason. So stay tuned because we're going to talk about where I've been and what I've been doing. Have you ever had a time in your life where you feel like everything just aligns and comes together? Like one domino was tipped over and it knocked over another and then another. And the next thing you knew, something really amazing was happening in your life. Well, that's what's been happening over here at Educators to Educators. I'm sorry I've been a little MIA and not releasing podcasts, but I have been swept up in the energy around our next project. We are hosting a free and virtual teacher conference January 3rd through 5th. It is called Teacher New Year Reboot, and it's all focused on health, wellness, and career. We have over 40 presenters presenting about health, wellness, and career, and they're all teachers, educators, just like you. As of today, we have over 3,600, that's 3,600 teachers registered for this event. It's so amazing because you can literally watch it from your pajamas at home. Throughout this podcast episode, I'm going to be answering some of the more frequently asked questions about the conference. So stay tuned as we listen to Beth's interview. But while you're listening, you should hold up, but while you're listening, you should head over to educatorstoeducators.com and sign up for the conference. There are so many fun free giveaways. It's just going to be amazing. So go ahead and sign up educatorstoeducators.com and let's get started with the interview with Beth Pittman from At Flexible and First. At the very beginning of Educators to Educators podcast, I interviewed Miss Good, who is a first grade teacher who is just beginning her journey on flexible seating. And today I'm talking to someone that I feel like is a true expert. I doubt she's going to admit that herself, but I think all of us would say that Beth is an expert when it comes to flexible seating. I met Beth Pittman through Instagram. I reached out to her. You might remember back when I did an Instagram study and we did a podcast. I was so interested in all these teacher superstars on Instagram. And I reached out to Beth and we started talking and I felt like we were old friends, frankly. Um, I've watched her Instagram account grow. I've watched her throughout this last few months. And I reached back out to Beth and said, hey, you know, I would really like to talk about flexible seating. I'd like to touch on that topic again. And more specifically, um, at the start of the school year, I'm part of a couple of Facebook groups with teachers. And I've been noticing teachers saying like, hey, my students just don't seem to be able to handle flexible seating this year. Um, So reach out to Beth. We're going to talk today about student engagement with flexible seating. And Beth teaches first graders, right? And so they're young. And so I think it's going to be so interesting to hear what she has to say about how she really gets students engaged with flexible seating. So Beth, welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So Beth, um, before we dove into like the fun, flexible seating stuff, tell everyone about your teaching history. 
Well, I've been teaching in California, Central Northern California, for 14 years. Um, I've always taught little kids. Um, the younger kids are my passion. I haven't ever taught older kids. Um, I hope that I never do. Um, let's see. I've taught first grade, second grade. One year I taught a combination class of first and second graders. I've also taught kindergarten, um, but currently I'm still in first grade. Perfect. And, you know, I know you're saying you hope you never go up to the older grades, but as a former third, fourth, and fifth grade teacher, I think you would be an awesome upper grades teacher. And people always say that change is good, so who knows? Maybe after I've taught a long time, I'll need a change. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, The one thing that would be good is you would know all the fundamentals and where the kids were coming from, so that would be be helpful. Yeah, totally. Um, Beth. I want our listeners, a lot of people know you from Instagram. So why don't you tell everyone your Instagram name? On Instagram, I am flexible and first. And then do you also have a teacher's paid teacher store or any other social media that you, that you use? Yes, I have a really small teacher's paid teacher store and I have a blog and also on Facebook, I have a, a Facebook page for flexible and first. Um, I'm not following you on Facebook, so that's going to be my first to-do list when we get off of here. Okay. Um, but great to know. So we'll link all of your, you know, ways people can get in contact with you, uh, in the show notes, but Beth, tell us a couple of things that people, especially your Instagram followers, you have quite the following. Tell me some things that they may not know about you. Some things people probably don't know about me is I love, love, love Disneyland. Um, My son, who is 17, almost 18, and I have season passes, so we try and go every time we have a break from school. Um, My family grew up going to Disneyland for vacations, so it just seems natural that that's where we like to go. I'm big on family. I don't share it a lot on Instagram, but I do have a big family. I come from five siblings. I'm number four, so I have three older brothers and a younger sister, and I have 16 nieces and nephews that I like to spend a lot of time with. Wow, that's amazing. Big family, big loud family. (laughs) (laughs) I think like sounds like I might need to come visit because I also like Disneyland and I like big loud families. So you might just have to adopt me. Yes, join us anytime. More the merrier. (laughs) Great. What else would people be surprised to know about you? I think people would be surprised to know about me that sometimes... I'm not as outgoing as it might seem on Instagram and things like that. Like in places where I I don't know people or big, huge crowds, I might be a little bit more shy than what it seems like how we put ourselves out on Instagram. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that. I actually think that's really good to know um, because Instagram can be like a highlight reel of, of, um, I've heard stories of people meeting like, people that they know from Instagram that they follow in person. And they're like, how can that be that person? They seem so different live and in person. Yeah. I think it's easier when there's not a lot of people in the room, but I love to find people and or meet people in real life that I've met on Instagram. And that's a lot of fun to make those real life connections. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm glad to have you on the podcast too. So people can hear your voice and hear about all the cool things you're doing with flexible seating. I know you're all super hungry to learn more about this conference, so here we go. The conference is January 3rd through 5th, 2019. The focus is health, wellness, and career. 
You can sign up for free at educatorstoeducators.com. On January 3rd at 9 a.m. Central Time, the conference will open. You'll watch a few couple intro videos, a few words from our sponsors, and then the entire conference, all 40 presentations are going to unlock, which means you can go watch one presentation or them all. One thing that makes this conference so special is you don't have to choose one presenter over another. You can go at your own pace and watch them whenever, wherever you want for 24 hours every day until the conference ends on January 5th. Pretty awesome, right? And yes, it is free. I know it's hard to believe, but it's free. So why don't you start off and tell me, how did you get so involved and fall in love with flexible seating? When did this happen for you? Um, I started changing my classroom a lot, probably about four years ago. I've always been the type of teacher, though, that didn't always need um, a really seating chart for every different part of the room. We would always have like a gathering place where we'd have assigned seats, but I like to let my students pick where they'd like to sit at their table or desk for the day. So they had a little bit of choice in the classroom. And then as I saw more and more teachers changing their ways and this word flexible seating came out, I started doing a little bit more research on what they had in their classroom, what type of seats and different seating arrangements or table arrangements. So I read a lot of blogs and I started following more and more people on Instagram to see what might work best in my classroom. And that's when I decided for my classroom that I wanted to have a few tables and lots of different seating options, whether it be a chair or couch or different things like that. So you've, so you've been working on really getting your room more and more materials. And I, I don't even want to go down that route too much of like where you get um, the things for flexible seating. Cause I think that we really want to talk about that engagement, but are you adding things every year? How have you built up to have this flexible seating classroom? Well, I always tell people like in the beginning, flexible seating isn't about things. It's just about having choice for your students. So I always tell people who are just starting out, no need to go spend all that money. You can do things for free. Like kids love to sit on the carpet. So they can just sit on the floor and there's nothing needed more than like a clipboard. Um, kids like to have a table lower to the floor or pulled up high to stand while they work. So there's lots of ways to do that easier. I don't have new things every year. Um, my room's pretty full right now with flexible seating, but I gather things over the years from garage shells or people giving away things, or I've done um, quite a few donors choose projects to get it funded. I really haven't bought any of the seating options myself. Very cool. This is kind of an off the wall question, but I'm curious, do you have any parents that kind of fight flexible seating since it's so not the way we grew up? Um, I've had a, a couple over the few years that I've done it. One year at my back to school night, I had all the parents come in and I basically moved all the seats to the side so the parents could sit in regular traditional chairs. And that year at that back to school night, I had a few parents who weren't thrilled about it, um, to be kind. Um, so I think where I went wrong is I didn't show <laughs> them the actual seats and how it really works. Um, so I tried to now like send brochures home to tell them all about it. Um, I have an app that I communicate with parents with to send pictures so they can just be more aware of what it is because sometimes being the different classroom can be a little bit 
I don't know, intimidating or different to parents. So they're not always so sure about it, but, um, I've never had anyone like leave my room. And I've had parents tell me later that they felt bad that they weren't sure about it in the beginning because they ended up loving it and their students loved it and things like that. I mean, you can't make everyone happy first of all, right? No, never. Uh, It's interesting. Like way back when I first started teaching, I remember, um, this parent, like, was complaining about something going on in my classroom. And so the principal invited the parent to come in and observe my class, which I was like, thanks for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was it was mostly to do with the kids' um, behavior, the child's behavior, whatever. We were working on it. Um, so, But I'll never forget, I had my desks at that point. This was like 2006 or seven. They were in, like, groups of four. And the one thing he complained to the principal, she debriefed with him, was like, well, actually, you know, I think she's a good teacher, but the way she has those desks, like, arranged, that is just awful. Who would want to, and, like, went off on my seating arrangement. Um, And I'm like, well, if that's the one thing that you can find to complain about, I guess I'm in a good place. Right. Um, But we, I mean, going back to that, I mean, that's just not the way he grew up. He grew up with Rose and a teacher at the front lecturing. Right, exactly. And so I'm used to it now. I'm used to people asking a lot of questions. And I would rather them ask questions to get the information they need than to just make their own assumptions about it. Yeah, I love that attitude. You have a very positive attitude. I think that's why I like you so much, Beth. Yeah, I try not to let it bother me. I usually know things like that aren't personal. It's just things are different. I don't really like change. So I don't expect everyone to be right on board right away with it. Yeah. Super smart attitude. So let's talk about choice. Um, one of the things you were telling me is that choice for students is what really drives their engagement. So let's talk about that. You know, that's one thing that I always have tried to do with my students choice, like in all areas of my classroom, like when we do center time, I try not to have like you have to do this activity. I have four or five, so they have choice, so they feel in control. Um, I want kids to love coming to school, not that they're running the classroom, but feel like they have some type of choice over their learning. So I noticed when I started the flexible seating, when the kids could really choose where they learned they worked best, their work just skyrocketed. How they were working, how much time they could stay on task, the quality of their work, all basically from them being in control of where they get to sit. Great. And so, I mean, that's really natural to life too, right? Right. Like I think I work from home and I have a home office, but I'll find myself in certain situations, I'll be like, you know, I just want to sit on the couch today or in the front room so I can see out out front of the house or you know what today I actually want to go to a coffee shop right um so even as a pretty disciplined adult I don't want to be at my desk with my computer every day yeah and that's exactly what I talk with families and kids about we think about how we're comfortable at home I mean nobody has a chair and a desk that they sit in all the time at home so why not be comfortable at school why not lay on the floor if you want to why not sit on the couch over there where you can you know relax a little bit more What do you think it is about control in this situation and flexible seating? Why does that feeling of control work for kids? I think everyone, no matter what your age, you want to feel in control of your life. Nobody likes to feel like someone else is controlling you or your life is out of control. And even though they think they have all the control, they really don't. I've trained them 
to learn the way we sit and things like that. But just that little bit of control gives them their confidence boost and know that, oh, I can do my best work over here instead of in the seat across the room. So they just feel more confident going into their work already. So you talked about training. This is kind of our second topic that we're going to dive into is the training. So especially teachers that have, I I would love for you to kind of talk to that teacher that maybe gave flexible seating a try and was like, no way, this is not working. What would you say to them about this training process? I think usually my first question, because I mean, I have a lot of coworkers who are doing flexible seating now. We've had lots of conversations um, or people send me an email, like I put out all these seats, I let them pick, it didn't work. So I usually say I would go back and train them. And for me with my training, is I don't let them choose their own seat until, depending on the class, this year was about day eight and nine of school. So the first seven, eight, nine, ten, two weeks, three weeks, whatever you need with your students, I'm having them rotate through all the seats where we talk about every seat has rules, even though it seems silly. You have to really show kids how to sit on a yoga ball, how to sit on a wobble stool. We have certain rules like on my couch, I really don't want their shoes on it because I don't want it to get dirty. Um, So we go through that. We actually show instead of just talking and we go through all the different seats. So they truly realize that maybe they really don't like to sit on a yoga ball because it, it is more work for some kids than others to support their back and their core area. Or maybe they do really like laying on the floor instead. So I train them. We go through every single seat before I let them start choosing their own seat. Okay. And what, which one, which stations do you feel like are the hardest for kids in general? In their seats? Like which ones are the hardest? Yeah. Like which is it like, do you find that the yoga ball kids are attracted to that, but very few kids can handle that or are they all pretty even? I think they're all pretty even. And it really just depends on the year. Some seats are more popular one year and then maybe the next year, any, hardly anybody sits in it. But I would say the traditional yoga ball is a harder chair for students to sit in. Um, one of the occupational therapists that used to work with one of my students a couple years ago taught me a lot about them, that if they're not sitting in a 90-degree angle, then the ball is either inflated too much or too little. And that was really good to learn mm-hmm. from her, like... I would never even really thought about blowing it up all the way or not enough. So she helped me with that. So sometimes with younger students, the traditional yoga ball sometimes doesn't work because it just rolls away too easy and things like that. What do you do when you find that a student just can't simply handle some of them? Like, do you make things off limits to certain kids? I think I try and talk with them about how maybe this isn't helping them do their best work. My classroom is of try to be an extremely positive environment and less, no, you can't do this or you could do this later. So I try and tell them, is this really working for you? Are you noticing that you're finishing your work in time? Is Are you easily distracted? Um, so they kind of just learn and I try and train them by teaching them that maybe that seat doesn't work for them. If they're having a hard time on a certain seat, I won't ever tell them they can never sit there again. I, I just say, You need to find a new seat that's not working for you right now. You can try it later. Or if you don't think it works for you at all, you don't need to try it again. 
So I've had some of my mom friends that have flexible seating in their classrooms say like, oh, my son can just not handle that. They need to be at a traditional desk and da, da, da. And I always kind of push back saying like, well, how are they doing in that traditional desk? Well, they fidget or they have a hard time, you know? And so I, I feel like it's not like flexible seating really brings that out in kids. I think so too. Yeah, totally. And one thing that I talk with teachers who are struggling with it to do flexible seating, you need a really strong management. You need to have very strong classroom management, or it can be crazy. Um, but I kind of think it's funny that parents talk a lot about the traditional desk in grades past kindergarten. Um, in kindergarten, nobody cares that there's tables in there because that's just the way kindergarten has been forever. So when they, yeah. they come to first grade, yep. they think they need their own desk. And I'm, I just try and convince them that they really don't. We don't have a desk at home. We don't need a desk here. Yeah. How do you schedule your day? And do you have times? I mean, there's got to be times that you need to do mini lessons or a read aloud. Like, how does that work in your class with with nowhere for the kids to go sit? That's right, absolutely. I actually do have an area in my room that's assigned. We have like a carpet area. Like usually in kindergarten or the younger grades, you have a big carpet um, so on my carpet area, I actually have these Velcro dots called sit spots that they sit on. Those, those seats are assigned. So I can place students strategically, whether they need to be close to me or on the end or away from separate huh. students. So that way, I, that's where I have my control when we do mini lessons or read alouds, that they're really focusing and getting the right type of instruction that they need. Because I could not teach them whole group with them all over the place in the classroom. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, I just looked up these sit spots. Those are pretty cool. Oh, I've sit never spots seen are awesome. Um, they're just Velcro dots that come in lots of colors and shapes. And I love those things. They can be vacuumed over and they're way cheaper than those really expensive rugs. That's why I got those because in first grade, we weren't given a big classroom rug to have. So I was trying to find a different alternative that I could make some assigned seats on the carpet that would be still cute, you know, instead of using just a piece of tape. So <laughs> now do you write your name, their names on these or they, they have a color that they're yeah, they just have a to? color that they're assigned to just like they learn any type of seating. They just learn really quick where their assigned dot is that. So I was going to say it's super helpful for a substitute to have those, that assigned area. So I always write in my plans, like if flexible seating isn't going well and the kids are not, you know, following directions. You can gather them back on the carpet area where you can give instructions again, like we need to be using our seats the right way or we'll have to work on the carpet. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, it's great too. Like, it sounds like you use that positive reinforcement. I mean, others might want to have that as a consequence as if you can't handle the seat, like you're gonna have to sit on your sit spot. Um, it, yeah. Sure. I've done that from time to time. If a student, I've moved them once or twice, um, usually I'll just say, I need you to find a new spot that's not working for you. And if a couple spots don't work, I tell them, I'm going to need you to work on your carpet dot because the other seats aren't working for you. I try not to make it not any emotions involved and not punitive, but you know, if you can't, those don't work for you, let's try here to see if this works better. What do you think is your biggest growth? Like, what have you grown the most in when you think about where you started with flexible seating and where you are now? I think where I've grown the most is giving up control. I like to feel like my classroom is a very controlled place where we have routines and expectations in line and the kids know exactly what we're doing every day. 
And in the beginning of flexible seating, you do feel like, am I going to lose control? Am I going to be able to do this? So I think that's where you grow the most is learning to trust your students that they're going to be able to choose a successful place. And it's okay to give up a little bit of control. We don't have to control every choice that they have every second of the day with them. What's the most popular question that people send you through your blog or Facebook or Instagram when it comes to flexible seating? I probably get two main questions. One is how do you start this on day one of school when you don't know any of the students? Um, And the second one is usually, well, where do I get seats from or I don't have a big budget? How can I do it without a lot of money? So we kind of addressed already that second question, but what about that first one, the first days of school? I mean, we talked about that a little too, but what does the first day of school look like for you? Yeah, so when I first started flexible seating, when I went full-fledged flexible seating, it was in January, so halfway through the school year. So I felt like my students could easily try something new and out of the box, and it went well because they already knew routines. And then so when I started the next school year on the first day, I was terrified to start it. I didn't know what was going to happen, how the kids were going to react, how the parents were going to react. But I set a plan in place that I wouldn't let them try out all the seats. So basically the first day of school, every student tries three places. And the three places are the carpet where they work with a clipboard. They work at a regular table, which has like a just regular chairs or they can stand or kneel. And then I have a floor table that's all the way lower to the floor with some cushions. And those are the only seats I do on the very first day of school. Gotcha. So that's actually, you know, a great way for us to kind of wrap this conversation up. What are the different choices that your students have in your classroom? I have a lot of different choices. I have carpet. I have yoga balls, wobble stools, a small two-person couch a big couch that's called a nugget couch. I have a small table that someone gave me a long time ago from their kid's playroom. I have on some of my regular chairs, I have bouncy bands that they can bounce their feet. I have crate seats, um, floor cushions for the floor table. Um, My most recent thing is I bought this really cool table from Target. It's like a picnic table. It has like picnic benches and the table, but it has little canisters in the middle so we can store supplies like pencils and crayons. So, of course, that's super popular. And if you want to see any of this stuff, I mean, you have to check out Beth's blog, flexibleandfirst.com. I like the way your blog's organized. There's not a ton of distractors. Like, it's very clean. So, thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Uh, I think the one thing that's really interesting a lot of times when you go to teacher blogs, I mean, teachers are so busy, right? And so they just use the best, they they do the best they can to get things up on their website. But sometimes you'll get a hosting site that throws up a ton of ads and it's really hard to get through. And you'll see when you get to Beth's website, like you can just scroll right through it and find exactly what you're looking for. Um, So thanks for all that hard work that you put into that blog, Beth. Oh yeah, I really love doing the blog. It's a lot of work. Um, but I try to because that's like where people can go and read more in depth. Like Instagram's great, but it's just a quick snapshot. But on the blog, I even have a special blog post that probably gets all the most traffic is the one all about the first day of school, flexible seating. Oh, yeah. I took I took a look at that. Um, so I will link to that since that is your most popular one. But I will link to that in the show notes for everyone so they can have access to Bath. 
Um, Beth, you are a busy woman. You got that big family. You got those little first graders. And yet you made time for all of us. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sharing out um, this passion with all of us here at E2E. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of Educators to Educators. A special thanks to Beth Pittman for joining us on today's episode. Next week, I'm going to share five reasons why you should be attending our Teacher New Year Reboot Conference. Until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.